this rose symbolizes love. You and I are not much different than this flower. Just like this rose is unique, so are each of you. All of us have something special that makes makes us beautiful. Do you know what makes you special? Sometimes that's tough, isn't it? Sometimes that's tough because sometimes life takes away, if I will, these petals. Picks them away at us, don't they? Sometimes it's hard. I think it's tough. And sometimes they get broken in two, don't they? That's hard. Sometimes that's tough on us, you know. And it just and they just want to throw us away into a trash can. You ever feel that way? You know, I don't know if you realize this, but 1.3 billion roses are sold each year in this country. 1.3 billion roses. And I don't know if you know, but over 45% of all flowers that are grown are thrown away before they're ever sold. That's 55% die after they're sold in Nente. You'll get that in a minute. You know, men buy 75% of all red roses for their significant others. And that's pretty good stuff for you ladies, isn't it? Uh, I just want to thank Kroger's. I increased their sales. In 1984, Tina Turner sang her most famous song. You know, as Bob said, what's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Some of those lyrics, I was going to break out in song, didn't you? Some of those lyrics were, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Folks, I believe love has everything to do with it. Everything to do with it. Let's talk, and we'll, if I can get some help from our, it's loaded. (laughs) <laughs> can't pull up the drive the drive's in there Lace okay well we don't have to we can do that that way um, we're going to talk about the six S's of love today the first thing I have to ask the question is and by the way there's a study guide in your bulletins if you'd like to take notes as we go along but the first question that has to come to us is what is love what is love You know, there's something special about love, isn't there? Would you not agree? Sure. You know, the comedian Lily Tomlin once asked, If love is the answer, could you please rephrase the question? I disagree with that. For instance, how many of you love someone? How many of you love someone? That's almost unanimous. Okay, thank you, Lacey. Okay, there's the six S's we're going to talk about. And the first one is, what is love? You know, love doesn't make the world go around, folks. Love is what makes the ride worthwhile. You know, how does love exist? You know, the Apostle Paul, John, tells us, he says, we love because God first loved us. 
That's how we love, because God first loves us. We see here. Romantic love has been, de- has been defined as the icing, but true love is the cake. Amen? Amen? Psychologists define it as a strong desire for emotional union with another person. Some say it's an uncontrollable thirst, a natural addiction to be with a certain person. But what is love? It means so many different things to so many different people. Songwriters have described it as, whenever you're near, I hear a symphony. Da, 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 da. No, that's, that's my version. Um, Shakespeare said, love is blind. Ever felt that? Aristotle said, love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. That's man's definition. But to know what love is, where do we have to go look? God's Word. That's right. That's where we have to look for the true definition of love. We see that. Paul tells us what love is. We see in 1 Corinthians some of the scripture I just read to you this morning. What is love? Love is patient. It's the first thing it is. Love is kind. You know, as I was a young person, I went into uh, Christie's home in their house and their, their, their family was very kind to me. And I thought, man, they got an angle on me. They want to get rid of this girl. But, no. but they were very patient. And they were very kind with me. And I always appreciated it. I saw love there very early. And I, I really liked that. But also, love does not envy or boast, you see here. So Paul's telling us what love is. And he's telling us what love is not. So we know the difference. He goes on to say it's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. True love wants the truth. He goes on to say, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, I believe God has built love into all of us. And he wants us to love others. You know, I told my bride, I said, I love you so much I'd fight a bear for you, but not a grizzly bear because they have big claws and big teeth. You know what I mean? And, and not a panda bear because they got kung fu stuff. You know what I mean? I don't want, want to do that. But a care bear, I'd fight a care bear for you. <laughs> you know, someone asked my wife, she said, what's the difference between a boyfriend and a husband? She said, about 40 pounds. Hey, hold on, I resemble that. <laughs> you know, how important is love to us? How important is love to us? I would say it's critical. I would say it's absolutely critical. God puts it in perspective in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verses 13. He says, And now about it, faith, hope, love, these three things, but the greatest of these is what? Love. That's the greatest of all of it. Now, folks... Would you, I ask you a question this morning. Are we important? Are we important? Yes, we're important. I don't, uh, how can I say that? Because God tells us in Psalms 139, 14, He says, I will praise thee, for I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay? Luke tells us, even the hairs of our head are all numbered. It doesn't take God too long for that with me, but you guys are no longer. Then he goes on to say, 
Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. We have value, folks. We have value to God. We have value to each other. You know, if we are that significant to God, then we need to love ourselves, don't we? Don't we need to love ourselves? You know, Malcolm Forbes said, too many people overvalue what they are not and undervalue what they are. So true. Look at it this way. You're always with yourself, so you might as well enjoy the company. For the young people, listen, you young people out there, I want you to hear this. Okay? Don't rely on someone else for your happiness and self-worth. Only you can be responsible for that. If you can't love and respect yourself, no one else will be able to make it happen. Remember that, folks. But do we truly love ourselves? You know, Paul tells us in Ephesians, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of the church. We may not hate ourselves, but sometimes we don't like ourselves very much, do we? We compare ourselves to God, we don't, do we? Kind of sad. Solomon tells us in Proverbs, He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. If you aren't good at loving yourself, you will have a difficult time loving someone else. Believe that. You, uh, since you'll resent the time and energy that you give to that other person and you don't give it to yourself. Kind of a bad thing for us. On the other hand, there are some people who think too much of themselves. You ever met those folks? Sure. Sure, they do. Um, and uh, what's the deal with taking these selfies? I got I got to ask that. Here's some examples of people taking selfies. I don't get it. You know, what's the deal with that? Could someone take your picture? Second um, Timothy, Paul said, in the last days. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemies, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Folks, some people think it's about how we look. We get dressed up in our pretty Sunday outfits and we come to church and we look good. Does that make us good? Not at all. Not at all. That's how companies like uh, make billions and billions of dollars like Under Armour, Gucci, Armani, and Walmart. Oh, I threw Walmart in there. I just thought. <laughs> you know, is that God's plan? I don't think so. God clears up the importance of what we wear or look like when he told us in Samuel, told Samuel, for the Lord sees not as man sees, that's what we see, man looks where? On the outward appearance. But the Lord looks where? In our heart. We can't fool God, can we? Looks in our heart. Well, that brings me to the second S of love. And that is, what's love got to do with sharing love with family? Who are you? My family. Right? God's family. We are here together. We can say, uh, we have the old saying, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. You ever had that experience? You know, back when I was dating my bride, I knew we had something special when the last people I wanted her to meet was my family. Don't get too excited. you got something in your family too, don't you? The truth is, 
We love our families, don't we? Sure we do. You know, there were two girls and four boys in my family, and we fought like cats and dogs, but the same blood ran through our veins. Some were A positive and some were B negative. You'll get that in a minute. But, you know, we're family, and blood is thicker than water. Don't we always say that? We'll talk about that in a few moments. Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz said, What? There's no place like home. Okay? And home is where our heart is. Don't we say those things like that, even though it's a dysfunctional home sometimes? I grew up in one of those, so I understand that. God gives each one of us a family to love, and it's so important he uses it in his analogies for how our relationship should be with him. Think about this for a minute, folks. He refers to himself as our Father in heaven. And we should love fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And the church is Jesus' bride. All family analogies. He wants us to understand. God even has orders for our family. Think about parents. In Exodus, he tells us, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God hath giveth thee. Listen, folks. If we have any desire to live a long life, make sure you honor your parents. Make sure you honor your parents. Thank you. Secondly, he talks about marriages. You know, my nephew recently got married, and he asked me, his Uncle Dave, he said, what's the difference between love and marriage? And I said, oh, son, I said, love is one long, sweet dream. And marriage is the alarm clock. Okay, okay. Someone said, marriage is like twirling a baton, doing a handstand or eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you try it. Folks who've been married understand that, don't you? You know, marriage is so important to God that he tells us that two people who get married are no longer two, but what? One. Exactly. One individual. Become one flesh. It's his example for that. Maybe that's why when the longer people marry, the more they look like each other. I don't know. <laughs> marriage is not just a spiritual communion and passionate embraces, you know. Marriage is three meals a day and remembering to carry out the cat, crat, yeah, crash, trash, I'll get it. Isn't it, though? It's a daily living. It's every day. Paul tells us in Ephesians, Husbands, love your wives. And listen to this, men. Listen to this, men. This is important. As even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How important should you and how important it is to love your wife that way? God says be willing to die. Be willing to die for your wife. That's pretty important. Guys, when we love our wives as much as we do ourselves and love them enough to give our lives for them, that's God love. That's a God's love we should have for our wives. You know, wives. They're under underappreciated and overworked a lot of times. You ladies, I, my hat's off to you. It really is. You guys are amazing. You know, wives, they, uh, they are the gatekeepers of the home, and they keep the home fires burning. Speaking of fires, I read, Love is a fire, but whether it's going to warm your hearth or burn down your house, you can never tell. <laughs> Think about that, man. <laughs> Do you know how your young, you young wives, do you know how you young wives should treat your husbands? I'll tell you what God says you should do. You should listen to the 
to the ladies who've been there, done that. God puts you ladies, you, you seasoned ladies, say it that way, okay? You widows and young people's lives and young families' lives in here to help them, to teach them how to be good wives. You say, well, Dave, that's, where's that in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you. He says, the aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands and to love their children. You ladies have an important role. You think, oh, I'm retired now. I'm a a widow. My job's over. No. God's got work for you. He tells you here. He's got work for you. Take that up. Partner with the young lady and help them to know and teach them how to treat their husbands and their kids. It's a good ministry for you. In Titus 2, 4, God instructs wives to love their husband with the word phileo, love, meaning friendship love, a love that cherishes and enjoys and likes their husband. You know, the longer I'm married, the more I realize and value my wife as being my best friend. Guys, listen to this. If you're out there doing your own thing, your wives are your best friend. You need to cherish that. As far as raising kids, Solomon tells us in Proverbs that we should train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. By the way, Christian moms and dads, it's not the teen years, but the tween years of young and old that makes our hair gray and fall out. (laughs) You kids, you kids, Paul tells us in Ephesians, Children, and you know, I'm still a kid, aren't I? You adults have parents, don't you? Listen to what he says. No matter what age we are, the youngest to the oldest, you still have parents. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. And by the way, parents, you need to make your kids obey. I see too much of that today. Don't make our kids obey. God says to spare the rod and what? Spoil a child, you know. I'm not talking about abuse here. I'm talking about getting tuned up, right? There's a difference, big difference. Kids get tuned up, obey. Well, that leads me to my next S of love, and that is what's love got to do with salvation? Wow, there's a big one. Jesus tells us in John, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. How much does God love us? How much does God love us? My daughter used to ask me, Daddy, they always start off with that. Daddy, how much do you love me? I'd say as far as the east is from the west, that's how much I love you. She'd get a big old smile on her face. She'd like that. You know? And I did too, because I do love her that much. God's love's bigger than our love for our kids. Way bigger. We can't measure it. He tells us in Romans, But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. His own son. We have to understand that God is both love and he's just. This created a dilemma for God. How can he be a loving God and a just God all at the same time and deal with man's sin? Tough question. But God, because he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere, has all knowledge. He solved that. And he tells us he did in John 3.16. We know that very well. For what? God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son. The whosoever. Who's that mean? Everybody. Everybody in this room and everybody outside these, these walls. Everybody. Okay. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God had to sacrifice for you and me. Think about that. God had to sacrifice for you and me. Wow. Folks, the gospel is the good news. You know, that God loves us despite our flaws, no matter what we have done, and he will restore our broken hearts and our relationships with him through Jesus' sacrificial death, burial, resurrection. You see, Jesus had to shed his blood. He had to shed his blood. Coming back to that question, is blood thicker than water? Do you know the origin of this saying is actually that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb? Blood, water, and love have everything to do with salvation. While we were in our mom's belly, each of us temporarily lived in water. We realize that? Which means we were born of what? Water. Very clear. Psalms tells us, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. What was the psalmist saying here? We were protected in our mom's womb by water while we were there. That's what she's saying. We were saved from any harm. We all know that life itself exists in our blood. You take away our blood, we, we, we pass away. If our blood is tainted or it's diseased, we won't live. In the Old Testament, the payment for believers' sins came through the blood sacrifice of their animals. It cost the believers their best, their spotless, their most valuable animals in order to show their faith in God that they are willing to sacrifice the best they had so he would forgive them for their sins. Wow. And also, by the way, to have remorse for your sins, right? It's the other part of it. They had to pay a price for their sins until the Messiah came. Jesus, our Messiah, which means Savior, came to earth in the form of man who has loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, for you and me. John tells us, as Jesus came, he said, Jesus said to himself, he said, in John 14, 6, very familiar verse of scripture, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm here to tell you, folks, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Only way. There's no other way. I've had people ask me, is there no? Dave, sure there isn't another way to heaven. Sorry. Jesus is a narrow way. He is the only way. There's only hope in him. He was born pure through the Holy Spirit's righteous blood of a virgin, Mary. He lived a perfect life. His death was unjust. But most importantly, his resurrection from the grave gives us victory over death. Amen? Without Jesus' blood, there's no remission of our sins. That means without Jesus literally shedding his pure, spotless blood, there's no canceling our debt of sin or our deserved penalty of hell. Being saved to heaven comes through Jesus, fulfilling his promise to shed his sinless blood for us in order to cancel our debt to God for our sins. What's thicker, folks, blood or water? blood's thicker. You know why? Because water's temporary, as I just shared with you as we come out of our mom. Blood's eternal, because it's Jesus' blood. It's forever, folks. That's why it's thicker. When we accept God's grace, which is basically, we use the acronym, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That puts it in perspective. That's what it's about. really is. Expense. Hmm. You know, 
we become a Christian at the expense of Jesus' life. Wow. Are we willing to die for our friends? Are we willing to die for our kids? God's willing to die and did it. He proved it for all of us. That's the way it is. You know, that's why when we become Christians, we become born again. Say that with me. Born again. That's right. Born again. That's right. Peter said, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you should rejoice. We should be saying, praise the Lord for that. Because when we're born again, he says it can be undefiled. It's forever and ever and ever. Can I get an amen for that? The question is, have you made that decision today? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart and receive Him and trust Him as your Lord and Savior? I'm going to tell you something, guys. God says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be also. And I look out across this sanctuary today, I see more than two or three people. I can count. i got ten fingers. God's here today. Holy Spirit's here today. Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. Well, I don't know what your needs are, but He does. You need to listen to His call in your heart. In your heart of hearts, in your soul. He speaks to us through his, through our spirit. We need to listen to what he's saying to us this morning. It's critical. If you've not made a decision, you need to do it today. That leads me to the next S. What's love got to do with fellow saints? With fellow saints. You know, the word saint is an honorable title. Do you realize that? It's an honorable title as a result of us confessing our faith dying for our faith. And there's another word that we don't hear, and that is ascetic, which means a lifestyle characterized by abstinence from worldly pleasures for the purpose of pursuing spiritual goals. God clearly says we live in a world, but what? We're not of the world. We live here, but we're not of it. This is not our home, folks. He tells us to build treasures in heaven. This is not even our home. This is a temporary place. He actually says this is a vapor. How fast does vapor fade away? Pretty darn quick. You're right. Why should we love fellow Christians? I'll tell you why. Because God told us we should. That's why. John tells us, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so also are to love one another. By this, all people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love if you have love for one another. Folks, we say we have Moundsville in our heart. Being a center of Moundsville, we have Moundsville in our heart. Does the people of Moundsville see our heart? Does the people of Moundsville see that we love one another? Let's live what we talk. Let's walk our talk, as we say. We need to do that. You know, whether you like me or not, you have to love me. And yes, I have to love you too. I've got to love you back. It's the way it is. Am I going to disappoint you? Absolutely. Are you going to disappoint me? Probably. Probably will. You know. But does that mean, or but that I should say that doesn't mean we're like a GPS system when we get hurt by other Christians, we say recalculating, right? Not the way it is. No, we're going to disappoint each other, folks. It's called being human. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. 
all of us. But folks, we're all family. We're all family here. Family of believers. And we need to stick together and stick to it so we can take care of God's kingdom and do His work. That's why we have to stick together. That's why we need to love each other. It's not my order. That's God's order. You know, God wants us to report for duty. How should we love each other? Colossians, Paul tells us, he says, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Someone's done something against you here, he's saying forgive them. Okay? That's God's command. We need to do that here today. Paul tells us in Romans, Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do you outdo your fellow Christian anything they give you or do for you or say to you? You've got to one-up them. You've got to outlove them. That's what he's saying here. John tells us greater love has no one than that someone laid down his life for his friends. Is our love that way toward one another? It should be. I want to touch on one side point. Unity of fellow saints. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, For by one spirit are we all baptized into what? One body. It doesn't say two bodies. It doesn't say five bodies. It doesn't say 150 bodies. It says one body. Okay? Folks, why is this important? Why would I bring this up right now? Because our love for one another, our unity for one another, especially right now, is critical. Absolutely critical in our path forward. Absolutely critical. We need each other. We need our talents. We need our gifts of spirit to make our church productive for spreading the gospel and living God's word in our lives and living it out in everything we do and say. We have to be as one going forward. We're going forward, folks. I want you to know that. This church is moving forward. God is working in this house. God will continue to work in this house because when we gather in His name, He'll be here. Amen. You know, there's that saying, no and no dissension, no and no devil. No, K-N-O-W, dissension, no division. We have to be one together, not divided. This day, we've got to be together moving forward. That leads me to my next S. What's got... What's love got to do with serving God? If I can get it together. What's love got to do with serving God? I'd say everything. After Jesus' resurrection, he, he asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Repeat that with me. Do you love me? Do you love me? You need to. We need to love each other. Why? Maybe it was to get back at Peter for denying three times. I don't know. Just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. Seriously, though, it was to encourage Peter about his responsibility as a servant to have an unwavering faith and obedience to God's will. Jesus was asking Peter if he really loved him. If he really loved him, he would take care of his fellow Christians by leading them to spread the gospel. Interestingly, Jesus uses the Greek word agape for love, which refers to unconditional love. That's the kind of love that God has for us. Unconditional love. But you notice Peter's answer. When he said, do you love me? Peter said, I love you, you know that. But you notice Peter didn't use agape word in Greek. He used phileo. So what he was saying. Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? He said, Lord, you know I like you. 
I like you like a brother. But, G, but Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know. You know I like you. And Jesus the last time said, Peter, do you like me as a brother? Do you love me as a brother? You see, Jesus knew where Peter's heart was. And he said, hey, I'll take that for now. But I want to stretch you. I want to, I want to challenge you to love me unconditionally. And we see Peter did that and later in his life. Very important we do that. We have unconditional love for Jesus. Jesus commands that the first thing and the most important thing we have to do is love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. That's with everything. That's unconditional. If, you, if I got that from you, I got it all, right? God, we give God that, we give Him our all. And that's what He's saying here. He wants our all. We cannot ever be a Christian without loving God for who He is, as well as for what He does, has done for us through our creation and through His grace. If we can't love Him for that, we've got a huge problem, folks. How much love should we love God? With everything. Everything we got. All of our energy. Everything we got. That's, his, that's the purpose He has for us. For every decision, every action, you know, folks, Christianity is not, is not a sprint race. It's a marathon race. It's a marathon race. You know, it really is. Peter tells us, you know, that, uh, that it's not how fast we go. It's much like Sam the Turtle Shaw. Remember him? It's about finishing the race, wasn't it? you got to give old Sam's credit. He finished the race. Folks, it's not about how fast we go in our walk with the Lord. It's about how we finish the race. Very important for us. We see... At the end, and this is one of the things I, I hope, and I pray that God will say to me when he, I see him, say, Dave, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Wow. That's finishing the race, race folks. Paul talked about that. Finishing strong. I want to finish strong. Do you want to finish strong? Well, that leads me to the last S of love, and that is, what's love got to do with saving others? Wow. I'm talking to you Christians out there this morning. Remember, believer, when you got first got saved, remember all those mountaintop experiences of a new life, a new beginning, a new hope, a new mission to save the lost. We were all about saving our lost. My first thought, just being candid about it, was my biological family. Went to them and witnessed them. I didn't know much about what to say to them. But my love for them was concerned for their soul for eternity. Are you concerned for your family members who are unsaved for eternity? I'm, I'm concerned for mine. But I thank God, after 27 years of praying, my older brother finally accepted the Lord. After he told me, if you ever talk to me about that again, I'm going to disown you. 27 years later, God softened his heart and he came to the cross. Folks, you need to get your family saved. We all have extended families here. We need to care for the lost. And they are, there's lost in each of our families. Do we still have that same love that we had for when we first became Christians? Love for our fellow man, for their souls? That fire should keep burning, folks. It shouldn't dwindle. It shouldn't get down and eat low and, and go out. John tells us Revelation, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you, thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Folks, we need to guard against the word 
uh, the world, I'm sorry, diluting our passion, our fire, our first love of winning souls to God. Because it's going to. It's going to get in the way. The love of the world, the flesh, and the devil gets in the way of us loving others. We've got to stop that. We've got to start loving each other and doing a better job of that. Because, frankly, that's the only reason we're still here as Christians, to win other souls to Christ and make give glory to Him. That's the only reason we're here. We'd be better off in heaven, wouldn't we? You know, in Tina's Turner's song, she sings, Who needs... Who needs... Our, um, uh, she says, yeah, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? With God, our heart won't be broken, but healed. It'll be healed. It'll be healed. Won't it? It'll be perfect. It'll be special, just like this is. Very beautiful. It's very, very good, you know. Hmm. You know. Um, God restores us to a perfect rose in His eyes when He saves us. He says we are white, meaning pure. Okay? The Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning. Speaking to you right now, either convicting you that you need to, to ask Jesus into your heart or, re, or to rededicate your life or to make it right with someone that that love is broken with. You need to step out this morning and follow the Holy Spirit. It's not about Dave. It's not about Ron. It's not about the deacons. It's about you and your relationship with God. You need to step out and let the Holy Spirit convict you and move you to make it right, whatever way it is, whatever way it is. You need to rededicate your life, whatever. Folks, you may be broken today, but I'm here to tell you Jesus will fix it. Amen? Amen. You know, it's very simple. All you have to do if you're an unbeliever, is to admit you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. Just believe that Jesus died and was resurrected from the grave for you and ask Jesus to come into your heart and you make him Lord and Savior of your life. Wow. If you do that, I promise you, he will heal your broken heart this morning. If you're out of, out of fellowship with God, he will heal your broken heart this morning. If you have a problem with another Christian and the unity of the Spirit, he will heal that relationship this morning. We need to listen to the Spirit's direction and conviction this morning. He will heal our broken heart. Jesus is asking you, do you love me? Folks, do you love me unconditionally? Think about that this morning.